Amen. All right, well, we're there in Genesis chapter number 37. I'd like you to keep your place there, but go with me to the book of 1 Samuel. Keep your place there in Genesis 37. We're going to come back uh, to that, but go to 1 Samuel chapter number 1. 1 Samuel, if you're there in Genesis, you're going to go past Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then you got the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number 1. As I announced this morning, uh, tonight we're getting back into our series on the matters of the heart, and we kind of took a couple of weeks break there uh, on that series, and tonight I want to specifically be talking about the issue of bitterness or a bitter heart, and we're going to go back there, Genesis uh, 37 here in a moment, but I'd like you to look at 1 Samuel chapter 1 and look at verse number 10, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 10. 1 Samuel 1, 10, the Bible says this, And she, and this is of course Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. I want you to, just kind of by way of introduction, I want you to notice in Scripture, and, and I, I went through and read every verse in the Bible that had the word bitter, bitterness, uh, bittern uh, in it. And I want you to understand that in the Bible there is this idea that we all experience bitterness uh, from time to time. In fact, the definition for the word bitter is, there, there's many definitions for the word bitter. If you go like on dictionary.com, you'll find that there's like six or seven different definitions. One of the definitions is this, causing pain, piercing, stinging. The other definition is a resentful or cynical attitude. And for example, here we have Hannah who's not able to have children. And the Bible says that she was in bitterness of soul. And I don't believe that Hannah was in sin here. Uh, she, ta- she, she did what she should have done, which she took her complaint to the Lord in prayer. And uh, it's never, there's never a light here of Hannah doing anything wrong. But I want you to notice that she had bitterness of soul. And it's, it's completely normal for all of us to experience I want you to listen to that word. It's normal for all of us to experience bitterness from time to time. We're going to have things happen to us that are going to cause us to be bitter. Here, the Bible says that she was in bitterness of soul because she was not able to have children. Go to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 31, just real quickly. Jeremiah 31, if you go towards the end of the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31 uh, you got those major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Jeremiah 31. Now, in Jeremiah 31, we're actually going to look at a prophecy that's not fulfilled until the New Testament. And it's a prophecy of, remember when Christ was born, and they took all the children two years old and under, and they killed them in an attempt to kill uh, Christ. And this is, this is the prophecy of that event, Jeremiah 31 and verse 15 The Bible says this, Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, notice, and bitter weeping. Uh, Rahel weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. And again, this is a reference to the fact that here you've got, here you're talking about women who literally have had their children taken from them and, and been killed. And the Bible says that there was bitter weeping. I don't think anyone, any of us would fault a mother who's grieving the death of her child and, and in regards to having bitterness. So here's what I want you to understand. It is normal for all of us from time to time in life, we're going to have things happen to us where we will experience bitterness, where we're going to experience possibly a bitter heart. 
The problem with bitterness is this. If you go to, go to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 12. Again, if you start towards the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, you want to head backwards or go past Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, 1st Peter, James, Hebrews. So you want to go past Jude, 1st John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 2nd, 1st Peter, James, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 12. The problem with bitterness in, the, in a bitter heart, it's not... It's not the experience of bitterness because we're all going to experience bitterness from time to time. We all may have bitterness of soul from time to time. We all may uh, weep bitterly from time to time. And the, the problem is not with experiencing bitterness. The problem is, and please listen to me carefully, when we become bitter. There is a difference between experience, experiencing bitterness and becoming a bitter Person. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 says this. Hebrews 12, 15. Look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. I want you to notice the next few words. Lest any, notice this, root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The Bible here refers to this, this idea of bitterness as having the ability to actually take root in your heart and in your mind. See, sometimes things will happen. Some things are going to happen to you. Things are going to happen to me. We're, we're going to be hurt. We're going to, and, and we're going to experience uh, bitterness. We're going to weep bitterly. We're going to have a bitterness in our, in our soul. We're going to have a bitter soul. And, and that's normal. That, that's going to happen. There's no way to avoid that. But the problem comes and the sin comes when we allow, when we then allow that bitterness to take root in our hearts, to take root in our soul, and actually allow the bitterness to become part of us where we are no longer just experiencing bitterness, but we have become a bitter individual. And for tonight, what I want to do is I want to answer for you how do you keep, because you're not going to be able to not experience bitterness from time to time. So how do you keep bitterness from taking root in your heart? How do you keep bitterness from allowing, uh, allowing it to become something that becomes part of you? Not just an experience that you go through, but something that you become. Now, if you can keep your place there in Hebrews, uh, 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 Hebrews chapter, what were we, Hebrews chapter 12. Keep your, keep your place or put a bookmark or a ribbon there. But go back to Genesis chapter 37. And with that idea, I want because I can't, I can't explain to you how to never experience bitterness. We're all going to experience bitterness from time to time. If you don't want to experience bitterness, just, you know, don't ever, uh, don't, don't ever come into contact or communication with any other human. And, and, you know, try not to think too hard because sometimes you'll make yourself bitter too. We can't keep ourselves from experiencing bitterness, but we can keep ourselves from becoming bitter people. Now, we read there in Genesis 37 the story of a young man named Joseph. And here's why we read that. And we're going to look at the life of Joseph for the next several moments. And here's why. If anybody had a reason to become bitter, it was Joseph. I mean, if there's anybody in the world who, if, if they came up here and they gave their story, if Joseph stood up here and gave a story 
and said, here's what happened to me, and here's why I'm bitter, and here's why I'm angry, and here's why I'm mad, and here's why I'm resentful, and here's why I'm cynical, and he gave us a story, I don't think any of us would disagree with him or fault him. I mean, if there was anybody in this world who had a reason to be bitter, it was Joseph. And let's just quickly, I know you're familiar with the story of Joseph, but let's look at it together. Look at the reasons that Joseph had to become bitter. Number one, Joseph's brothers hated him and sold him into slavery. Are you there in Genesis 37? Look at verse number one. Genesis 37 and verse 1, the Bible says this, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Now notice what it says. Joseph being 17 years old. Now I don't want to offend you teenagers, but 17 years, that, that is just, that is a child. I mean, you're at the beginning of your life. Do we have any 17-year-olds here tonight? Who's 17? Raise your hand if you're 17. No 17-year-olds. All right, 16? Oh, we have a 17-year-old right there. All right, you win the lucky prize. No, I'm just kidding. Any 16-year-olds? 16-year-olds? I think I thought we had a few 16. You're 16? Any other 16-year-olds? No? All right. Moses, how old are you? 15? Good night. All right. Here we have a 17-year-old. Notice verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Notice verse 3. Now Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children. Now is it right for a father to favor one child over another? Of course the answer is no. Was it right for Israel to love Joseph more than the rest of his children? The answer is no. But here's what I want you to understand. This is not Joseph's fault. It's not Joseph who caused his father to place, uh, to, to, to favor him above the rest. Notice what it says. But he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many cutters, colors. Notice verse 4. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him, Joseph, more than all his brethren, notice what it says. They hated him. I want you to listen up, and especially you children. If you are a child in this room tonight, and you've got siblings, I want you to listen to me right now very carefully. Here's what the Bible says about the brothers of Joseph. And could not speak peaceably unto him. Would to God that it's never said of any child of Verity Baptist Church that they cannot speak peaceably with their own siblings. You ever, you know, sometimes you have children like that. Where it's like the, the only time they can ever talk to another one of their siblings is if they're mocking, if they're picking on them, if they're doing something. Hey, that should not be your testimony. That was the testimony of these young men. And they, they could not speak. They, they could not open their mouth and speak to Joseph without saying something rude, saying something mean. The Bible says here, they could not speak peaceably unto him. And that's sad. This is their brother. Look at verse 18, same chapter. And when they saw him, that's Joseph, Jacob sends Joseph, who's the youngest brother, and he sends him off to go and check up on the rest of his brothers. Notice what it says. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, notice what it says. They conspired against him to slay him. They hated him so much, they wanted to actually kill him. Look at verse 26. Skip down to verse 26. We're not going to go through the whole life of Joseph tonight, of course. One day I'll preach an entire series on the life of Joseph. But look at verse 26, Genesis 37, verse 26. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. 
And let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now look, if your brethren, if your siblings, if your brothers or sisters were to kidnap you and sell you into slavery to a foreign country, I mean, wouldn't that make you upset? It might be a while before you could talk to them, right? I just want you to know if anybody had a reason to be bitter towards anyone, Joseph had a reason to be bitter towards his brothers. They stole his life. They, they, they sold him into slavery. And, and in fact, you're there in Genesis 37. Skip, skip over to Genesis 42. And in Genesis 42, we're fast forwarding into the story. But in Genesis 42, uh, you have Joseph who's now in charge in the, in the nation of Israel. And he's, he's, he's got his brothers. He's got power over his brothers. But I just want you to notice because the brothers are talking amongst themselves. And I want you to notice what they said about this event that took place in chapter 37. The Bible says this, And they said one to another, We are very guilty. This is the brothers of Joseph saying, We are very guilty concerning our brother. In that, notice what, it, notice what they say, In that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us. And we would not hear, therefore, is this distress come upon us. And don't just read these stories. Don't just read these passages and, and read them as a story. But think to yourself, imagine a 17-year-old boy uh, pleading with his own brothers, with his, with his own brothers. And the Bible says that they saw the anguish of his soul and he, and he besought them. I mean, could you imagine him pleading with them and saying, don't, don't do this. You do, please don't do this. Just let me go back home. Just let me go back to dad. And, and, and they would not have mercy. They would not. They just would not listen to him and, and, and they're doing him a favor instead of killing him they want to kill him they sell him into slavery and I don't think any of us have ever had to deal with something like that and here's all I want you to know if anybody had a reason to be resentful if anybody had a reason to be cynical it would be Joseph why because Joseph is, Joseph's brothers hated him and sold him into slavery even as he pleaded and begged for his life the Bible says they admit that they would not hear his cries for help. Go to Genesis 39. Genesis 39. Another reason that Joseph had to be bitter was this. Not only was Joseph's brother, did Joseph's brothers hate him and, and sold him into slavery. Another reason that Joseph had to be bitter was this. When he was sold into slavery, he was working and doing a good job. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. And Joseph's master's wife then lies about him and gets him thrown into prison. Completely innocent, does nothing wrong. And now he's not only been sold into slavery, but he gets thrown into prison for something that he did not do. You're there in Genesis 39, look at verse number 7. Genesis 39 and verse 7, notice what the Bible says. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wadeth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. 
And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within. And by the way, that's a bad idea. You ought not never be alone, you know, in a room with a woman that you're not married to or not related to. He, sh- he was saved whenever there was other men around. But now he finds himself with a married woman in a room by himself. Notice verse 12. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment. By the way, that's the right thing to do. The Bible says flee fornication. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. But of course, this is an evil woman. Notice verse 13. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in in Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me. That's a lie. She's the one that's trying to uh, be with him. And yet now she's saying that he came in unto me to lie with me. And I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried. That he left his garment with me and fled and I got him out. And she said, and she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as, as I lifted up my voice and cried. And he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, blatant lies, which he spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me. And his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. And now you have Joseph who is sold into slavery. He is a slave just trying to live life and just trying to make the best of the position he's in. He's trying to work hard and he's promoted and God is blessing him. And then you have this wicked woman lie about him and get him thrown into prison. Go, You're there in Genesis 3.9. Look at Genesis chapter 40. Genesis chapter 40. And I want you to notice how Joseph felt about this. Genesis chapter 40 in, in, in verse 15. He's speaking to the butler and he's kind of telling him, you know, he's pleading that for, for help. In Genesis 40 and verse 15, notice what the Bible says. He says, for indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. And here's what I want you to know. If anybody, if anybody had a reason to be bitter, to be angry, to be sour, to be upset, it was Joseph. I mean, his brothers hated him and sold him into slavery. His master's wife lies about him and gets him thrown into prison. Let me show you another reason. You're there in, in Genesis 40 and verse 15. We read there where Joseph is making the plea to the butler who's getting ready to get out of prison and, 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 he's, and he's asking him for help. But I want you to notice in verse 23, the Bible says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Not only do his brothers hate him, not only does his master's wife lies about him, but here you have Joseph's friend, the butler, who forgets about him and does not attempt to help him. And here's all I'm saying. If Joseph was here tonight and he came up here and he gave his testimony and he was bitter and angry and upset and he said, here's why I'm bitter and here's why I'm angry. Let me tell you what happened to me when I was 17 years old and he started telling us his life story. I don't think there's anybody in this room that would fault him for being a bitter, angry individual. If there's anyone who had a reason to be bitter, it was Joseph. But what we learn from the life of Joseph is that bitterness was not a characteristic that he had. In fact, we can tell from the, from the story that Joseph took very specific steps 
to keep himself from becoming bitter. See, Joseph experienced bitterness, but never became bitter. He experienced bitter things, but never allowed the root of bitterness to sink down in his soul. And you say, well, what did Joseph do in order to keep himself from becoming a bitter person? I want to give you uh, tonight just three points. We'll go through them as quickly as we can. Three things that you can day that you can do that will learn from the life of Joseph to keep yourself from being bitter. Because listen to me, you're going to go. There are things that are going to happen to you, whether it's in your marriage or with your children or in the church or, you know, with co-workers or whatever it might be, there are things that are going to happen in your life where you will experience bitterness. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not your fault. We will all go through that, but you need to make sure that you do not allow bitterness to take root in your life. Say, well, what do we do? Well, I want you to notice what Joseph did, and I like to write these statements down. Number one, How do you keep yourself from becoming a bitter person? Number one, he maintained a productive routine wherever he went. I want you to notice that Joseph maintained a very productive routine wherever he went. Genesis 39, go go back to Genesis 39, look at verse 1. Genesis 39 and verse 1. Genesis 39 and verse 1, the Bible says this. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. Remember, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian bought him. He's a slave. He's property. Of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down hither. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Notice verse 4. And Joseph found grace in in his sight, And notice these words, he served him. He served who? He served his master, Potiphar, and served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had, he put into his hands. See, Joseph decided... That if I'm going to be a slave, if I'm going to live in Potiphar's house, if I'm going to be the property of Potiphar, if there's nothing I can do about it, if, if the lot of my life is to be a slave, then I'm just going to be the best slave I can be. He just decided, I'm just going to try to be productive wherever I am. Would I rather be home? Of course I'd rather be home. Would I rather be with that? Of course I'd rather be with that. But that's not the lot that God gave me for whatever reason I'm here. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to get to work. And he served. And here's what I want you to notice. People who are bitter usually become bitter because what they do is they'll take whatever it is in life that has caused them to experience bitterness and they will just focus on it. They will become fixated on it. See, Joseph could have sat there and just said, well, I'm a slave, but I'm just going to do the minimum. And he could have just spent his days thinking about his brothers and hating on his brothers and thinking about God and hating on God. But here's all that that would have done for him. It would have allowed a root of bitterness to sink down in his heart. Joseph decided, you know what? Instead of spending my days moping, instead of spending my days angry, instead of spending my days fixated on that which has happened to me, he said, I'm just going to keep myself busy. And he was productive, and he became a very productive person. And look, everywhere he went, he maintained a productive routine wherever he went. Go to Genesis 39. Look at verse 20. We saw Joseph as a slave, but notice, more bad things happen. He gets thrown into prison. What does he do there? He does the same thing he does everywhere. Just gets to work. Genesis 39, look at verse 20. Genesis 39 and verse 20. And Joseph's master took him 
and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Notice verse 22. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he, Joseph, was a doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. See, here's the truth of the matter. If Joseph showed up tonight and gave us his testimony, he would not be telling us that he was bitter and angry and upset. He would be telling us that he has learned to be content in whatsoever state he was, that he learned how to be happy and joyful in the Lord. And one of those reasons was because of the fact that he learned to maintain a productive routine wherever he went. Some people are bitter and angry and upset, and it's because they're idle. Because they're not doing anything. It's because they're sitting at home on the couch thinking and fixated about all the evil, bad things that people have done to them. And listen to me, I'm not minimizing that. You may have been done wrong. Joseph surely was. But he did not spend his days fixated on it. He decided to be productive. He decided to be, to get to work just wherever he was. Would he rather be home instead of Potiphar's house? When he got to prison, I'm sure he'd much rather be at Potiphar's house than prison. But he just decided, wherever God has me, wherever God plants me, I'm just going to be fruitful. Amen. I'm just going to get to work. I'm just going to do the best I can. There's a famous story that Jack House used to tell about a very bitter woman that was at his church, and everybody knew she was bitter. And by the way, let me say this. When you're bitter, everybody knows it. It does something to your face. You know, we can all see it. And there's this very angry and bitter woman, and she comes to him, and she says... Pastor Hiles, I'd, li- I'd like to talk to you, and, I- and I've had all these problems, and I've had all these people do me wrong, and it's hurting me, and it's upsetting me, and I, and I want to uh, meet with you. And-, and the story goes that he said to her, you know, I'm very busy this week. I'm not able to meet with you. Maybe I can squeeze you in next week, but could you do me a favor? And she said, what is it? And he said, could you, you know, there's this family, sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so, they just had a baby. Would you mind just baking a pie? And taking her over to their house this week. I can't meet with you this week. Would you mind helping us with that? And I'll meet with you next week. And she's like, well, I don't really feel like it's, you know, I, don't, I just don't really want. And he's like, hey, I would really appreciate it. I just can't find anybody else. And she said, oh, fine. She bakes the pie and she takes it to the family. And she comes to him the next week. And she says, are we able to meet this week? I'm just so angry at the things that have happened to me in life. And I'm just, I just feel like I need to talk. And he said, you know what? I didn't realize I'm, actually, I'm going out of town this week. And it's a very busy week. I'm not able to meet with you this week. But, uh, you know, so-and-so is in the hospital. Would you, would you be able to bring their family a meal this week and just help us out? Well, I just need to talk to you. Well, I just, I just, just this week, please, if you could. And he just kind of did this. For several weeks. And about after four or five weeks of this, the story goes that Brother Howells walks up to this woman and says, hey, I have time to meet with you now. Would you like to meet? And she said, oh, I don't have time to meet with you. Don't you know that? So-and-so, you know, they were in a car accident. I'm going to go by and, and, and help them go do their groceries. And then there's this family here and that family there. And here's the point of the story is that people will often become bitter when they are only focused on themselves. If you learn to stay busy, if you learn to get up early and, and, and go to bed late and work and throw yourself into something, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's parenting. Maybe it's 
being a wife, maybe it's being a husband. We can surely find all sorts of things for you to clean around here if you've just got nothing to do. But here's what I'm telling you. Joseph just decided, whether it's as a slave or as a prisoner, whether it's as a child, wherever I am, wherever I go, instead of just sitting there and soaking and being mad and being angry, I'm just going to be productive. I'm just going to get to work. And there's something about people that are busy. Listen to me, especially you men. You're sitting there and you're just so depressed and you're so discouraged. You know what I've noticed about men that are depressed and discouraged? It's usually because they're not working. You need to work hard. Say, well, I have a job. Well, then you need to find someone out to work after that. When Adam messed up and was all depressed and discouraged, you know what God said to him? Get to work with the sweat of your brow. And the problem with men and the problem with women is that they get so fixated on themselves. Say, why wasn't Joseph bitter? Because he was just too busy working, serving, being productive. I want you to notice that Joseph maintained a productive routine wherever he went. But I want you to notice the second thing that Joseph did. Go there in Genesis 39. Go to Genesis 40. Genesis chapter 40. If you have a root of bitterness, this will solve your problem. The problem is that I've noticed that usually people who have a root of bitterness... Don't want to solve their problem. They like being bitter. They like being negative. They like making other people miserable who are around them. Genesis 40 and verse 1, I want you to notice not only do we see that Joseph maintained a productive routine wherever he went, but I'd like you to notice number two, he maintained a personable attitude towards others. Notice Genesis chapter 40 and verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them and they continued a season in ward. And they dreamed the dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. Now notice verse number six. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house saying, and I want you to notice, look at at what Joseph asked. Look at the last part of verse seven. Wherefore looked ye so sadly today? I want you to notice something. The fact that Joseph walks in, he's working, walks in, sees the chief butler, sees the, sees the baker, and they look sad. And the fact that he asks them, Wherefore, for what reason, look ye so sadly today? He's saying, why do you look so sad? You know what that tells me? That Joseph was not spending his days in prison moping around. When you walk in like this, you don't ask someone, why do you look like this? Why do you look like me? We both look like our lives are miserable. You know what I think? Joseph walked in like this. Hey guys, how you doing? Why do you look so sad today? Well, we're in prison. Yeah, I'm in prison too. Well, well, you know, we've been done wrong. (laughs) Wish I could tell you my story. You say, well, what was Joseph's problem? You know what he did? Not only did he maintain a routine wherever he went of being productive, but he maintained a personal attitude towards others. When you show up to church and your face is like this, 
is that for? Well, I just want to make sure everybody knows that I'm upset with pastor. And you're like, half the church is upset with pastor. What are you talking about? You try preaching three times a week. You tend to upset people. You know, who, what, what is that for? Well, I just want to make sure people know why. So they can ask you about it. So you can talk to them about it. So you can go over it again and again in your mind. Just, well, this happened and then my husband and then my children and then my brothers. See, Joseph didn't waste his time with that. He put a smile on his face and he said, hey, guys, we're here. Let's make the best of it. Why are you so sad? Why are you so upset? And he had an interest in others. He maintained a personable attitude towards others. And that's why Joseph was not a bitter person. Although if there's anybody in this world who would have an excuse to be bitter, it'd be Joseph. But you know what he did? He maintained a productive routine. You know what he did? He maintained a personable attitude. He just lived life, was happy, made the best of where he was, learned to be content in whatsoever state he was. And he's looking at these guys saying, why why are you so sad? It's a great day. We woke up. The sun's up. We can't see it, but it's up there. Wherefore, look ye so sadly today. Notice verse 8. And they said unto them, We have dreamed a dream, and there's no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, I want you to notice this phrase. Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell, the, tell me them, I pray you. Here's point number three. Not only did Joseph maintain a productive routine wherever he went, not only did Joseph maintain a personal attitude towards others, but I want you to notice that Joseph maintained a providential confidence in God. See, Joseph makes some great statements towards the end of the story, and we're going to look at them. And it would be easy for you and I to look at those great statements that Joseph made and say, well, yeah, of course, once you're in the palace, once things have worked out for your favor... Yeah, I would make those great statements about the fact that God had a purpose and God had a plan and God knew all along. But I want you to notice that even when Joseph was in prison, before he ever had any idea that he was getting out, he always maintained a positive attitude towards God. I mean, notice verse 8. Do not, they, they said, we have a dream. We've dreamt a dream. And there's no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. Now notice what he didn't say. Well, you know, interpretations belong to God, but God done me wrong. He just said, you know, if there's anyone that can interpret your dream, it's God. And I want you to notice that Joseph maintained a right attitude towards God even before things worked out in his favor. Go go to Genesis 39, look at verse 9. Genesis 39 and verse 9. There in Genesis 40, Genesis 39 and verse 9. Well, once, once you become second in command of Egypt, it would be easy to see the providence of God. But I want you to notice that Joseph saw the providence of God even in, in prison. Joseph saw the providence of God even in slavery. Remember when he was in slavery? Potiphar's house? Potiphar's wife is trying to get him to commit adultery? Notice verse 9. There is no greater in this house than I. This is Joseph speaking. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. Notice what he says. How then can I do this great wickedness? Notice what he said. In the midst of slavery, after his brothers sold him, after they put him in, they've stolen his life, he says, and sin against God. Notice that he still had a right heart towards God. 
He wasn't angry at God and blaming God. God, why did you let this happen to me? That wasn't Joseph's attitude. Joseph said, I don't know why I'm a, why I'm a slave. I don't know why my brothers did that. I, I don't know why God allowed that. But I know this. God knows better than I do. And I'm not going to sin against God even here. He gets to prison. They said, do not, you know, we have these dreams and we, and we don't know how to interpret them. And he says, well, I, I know who can interpret them. God, if anybody can interpret them, is God. And I just want you to notice that Joseph kept a soft heart towards God. Look at, look at verse 1 of chapter 41. Chapter 41 and verse 1. Remember he asked the butler, please don't forget me. I, I was stolen from my house and, and I have done nothing that deserved prison here. In Genesis 41 and verse 1, the Bible says this, and it came to pass at the end of two full years. The butler forgets about it, Joseph. Two years. I mean, could you imagine those two years? you got to put yourself in the story. If you just interpreted, if, if, the, if the butler just had a dream and couldn't understand it, and you said, God can interpret your dream, tell me your dream and God will help me interpret it, and the butler tells you his dream, and it's good news, you're getting out, and you interpret it, and I'm sure the butler is just high-fiving Joseph, happy with Joseph, thank you so much. And could you imagine when they come for the butler, when they come and they say, hey, you're free, could you imagine the butler looking back at Joseph and saying, you're right. The interpretation was true. And the last words that Joseph says to the butler is, don't forget me. Put in a good word for me. I was stolen from the house of my, of, 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 of my father. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve this prison. Please don't forget. I mean, if, I, if it were me, I would think, man, the butler's going to put in a, word, a good word for me because I interpreted his dream. Could you imagine every time, I mean, every time you heard steps coming down the hall, You'd think, the butler's coming for me. Every, every time you heard the keys kind of clinking against the gate, you'd think, the, the, the butler put in a good word for me. That must have been two long years for Joseph. I wonder how long it took before Joseph, because Joseph seems to be a real positive guy. I wonder how, how, many, how long it took before Joseph realized, I think the butler forgot about me. I don't think anybody's coming. I mean, if anybody had a reason to be bitter, it was this guy. Notice verse 8, same chapter. Verse 8. Verse 8 in chapter 41. And it came to pass in the morning. This is talking about Pharaoh. That his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt. The Pharaoh has had a dream now. And he's troubled by it. And all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told him his dream. But there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. It's about time. It's been two years. Pharaoh was wroth with his servant and put me in ward and the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dream a, a dream in one night, and uh, I and he, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. Notice verse 12. And there was, a, and there, was there with us a young man, an Hebrew servant to the captain of the guard. And we uh, told him, and he interpreted to us our dream. To each man according to his dream, he did interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. And Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. 
And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. Now listen to me. If there's ever a time, if there's ever a time for Joseph to try to manipulate the situation, it's now. He's standing before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, I heard that you can interpret dreams. I don't know about you, but if it was me, I say, well, I can interpret your dream, Pharaoh, but I need immunity. I need a pardon. I need you to put Potiphar and his wife to death. I need some soldiers and weapons because I've got some brothers. And here's the thing. Nobody can interpret his dream. So he could just make stuff up. But cows, you're going to be blessed. You know, I mean, things are going to work out great. But not Joseph. Not Joseph. See, Joseph was not a bitter man. Notice what the Bible says. Look at verse number 13. I'm sorry, not not verse 13. Good night. I, I lost my place here. Good night. Where am I? 16, Genesis 50, 16. Notice what it says. No. 41, 16. There you go. And Joseph answered, when you got a page that's full of Bible verses, sometimes you get lost. Genesis 41, 16. And Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, notice what he says. It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And here's what I want you to notice. The entire time that Joseph is going through these bitter experiences, he never loses faith in God. He maintains the entire time that God is greater than him. That God is providential. That God can not only interpret dreams, but God has a purpose and a plan for his life. And he does not know why he had to get sold into slavery. He does not understand why he had to be lied about. He does not understand why the chief butler had to forget him. But here's what he knows. I'm not going to sin against God. There must be a plan. There must be a purpose. Go to Genesis 45. Look at verse 5. Genesis 45, verse 5. Once once Joseph has been promoted and he's got power in the land and his brothers come and we're not going to go through the whole story, but he has power over them. Genesis 45 verse 5, the Bible says this, Now therefore, this is after Joseph has, has revealed himself to his brethren. He just told them, I'm Joseph. I'm not dead. In fact, remember that dream where you bowed yourself to me? Here it is. Now therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. Notice what he says. That you sold me hither. For, notice what he says, for God did send me, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Do you understand that not every bad thing that's happened to you is that God did it, but every bad thing that's ever happened to you was filtered through God and God knew about it and allowed it? I mean, I mean Joseph, Joseph says, says you, it, it, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in that which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. Look at verse 7. And God sent me, and God sent me, and God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. I wonder what happened in our lives if that's how we looked at the trials that we go through. I wonder what happened in your life if you were able to look at your husband or you were able to look at your wife. The Bible talks about being bitter towards your spouse. And say, so you, you, you thought that you were hurting me, but, but God allowed it. 
What would happen if you, if you could look at that parent that did you wrong or that sibling that did you wrong? That friend that stabbed you in the back. And say, you, you, you thought you were doing me evil, but you know, it was of God. But God. He says in verse 8, So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and a lord to all of his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Go to Genesis chapter 50. Look at verse number 15. Genesis 50 and verse 15. This is after Jacob has died. The brothers think, you know, once dad's dead, they think, now we're in for it. Joseph's been holding back this whole time, but now that Jacob is dead, he's going to get his revenge. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph, will peradventure hate us. And will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespasses of thy brethren and their sins. And they did, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants of God, of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And I'm sure that was a lie. If Jacob wanted to say that, why didn't he just say it to Joseph himself? Verse 18. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not. Now, I want you to don't miss this phrase. Because we like to emphasize on verse 20. And we're going to look at verse 20. But don't miss this phrase. For am I in the place of God? For am I in the place of God? Now, right now, we're talking about Joseph having the power to have revenge on his brothers. And he says, Am I in the place of God? But I believe that this thought was the thought that permeated Joseph's way of thinking his whole life. See, when he was sold into slavery, when he was lied about and thrown into prison, when he was forgotten about, you know what I think he thought about? He thought, why is this happening to me? And why does God not stop it? And why does God allow it? And and why, you know? But here's what I think Joseph thought. I'm not God. Am I in the place of God? I, I don't know. God must know. God's smarter than I am. His ways are higher than my ways. He says, am I in the place of God? Notice verse 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Go to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8. I know you're familiar with the verse, but let's look at it together. Romans chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 8. Let me ask you a question. Could it be, and I don't know your story, I don't don't know, obviously there's things in your past that I don't know about, I don't need to know about, there's things in my past you don't know about. But could it be that thing, that thing that has just had a root in you? Could it be that that thing that you had no control over and it was done to you and you didn't deserve it and you were innocent and you don't understand, well, why, why, why did they not get it and why did it not happen to them but it happened to me and God allowed it to me? Could, could it be that God meant that unto good and that there's a purpose and there's a plan? And right now you may be in Potiphar's house. Right now you may be in prison. Right now you may not see it and you may not understand it. But could, could it be before you get angry with God Could it be that we could look at this with an attitude, realizing that there's a providence of God? Like we talked about this morning, God has a purpose and God has a plan. And he is working on the other side 
on my behalf. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 28. Notice what the Bible says. Romans 8, 28. And we know, and we know, don't miss this, that all things, see that word all there? That's everything. Well, if you knew my story, look, if you, if I, if you got up here and told us your story, none of us would fault you for being better. Well, if you knew what happened to me when I was a child, and if you knew what happened to me in my marriage, and if you knew what happened, but listen to me, all things. And we know that all things. What about that one thing? That thing. All things work together for good. Now, I want you to notice, it doesn't say all things are good. It doesn't say all things are good. But, but we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. See, Joseph understood before the book of Romans was ever written, Joseph understood, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. So how, how do you keep from becoming bitter? I don't know. I've never gone through all that stuff. But if you ask Joseph, if you ask Joseph, I think, I think he might say, well, you know what I did? I just stayed busy. So I want to get fixated on it. So I want to just be thinking about it all the time and getting angry and upset. I, I just tried to stay busy. Wherever I was, where, wherever it was, I mean, I'd rather be at dad's house. And, and, and when I was at Pottersworth's house, I wish I was at dad's house. And, and when I was in prison, I wish I was at Pottersworth's house. And by the way, let me say something. Those of you that have not learned how to be content, that's always the case. Well, I'm not happy here because I want to be there. But if you were there, you'd want to be somewhere else. Amen. It's never good enough. It's never right. The grass is always green on the other side. Why don't you just learn to be content wherever you are? Amen. Why don't you just try to serve God wherever you are? Why don't you stay busy wherever you are? Well, I don't got nothing to do. We got a whole lot of invitations that you can hand out on soul winning every day. If you ask Joseph, Joseph, how did you keep from getting bitter? I think he would say, I just tried to stay busy. I just tried to stay positive. I just tried to be personable. I just maintained a confidence in the providence of God. That God knew who I was and where I was, and God had not forgotten me. Did you keep your place there in Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12, we're almost done. We looked at it at the beginning. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Notice what he says. Lest any root of bitterness, root of bitterness, but I want you to focus on this phrase. Springing up trouble your husband. Is that what it says? Springing up trouble your wife. Is that what it says? Springing up trouble the pastor. Is that what it says? Springing up trouble that boss that you're upset about. Is that what it says? See, here's what happens when we become bitter. We think, well, I'm just going to become a bitter individual, and I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to make sure they know, and pastor's going to know, and my employee's going to know, and my husband's going to know, and I'm going to allow bitterness to take root in my heart, and I'm going to make them pay. But listen to me very carefully. Bitterness only troubles you. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Sometimes people get upset at me because I have to take certain stands and make certain decisions. And they get upset and they get all mad and they become so angry. You can see it in their face and they're just angry and upset and they get backslidden and they quit the church. And I think to myself, you're not hurting me. I still have my family in a great church. I still get to go soul and be with God's people. You're only hurting yourself. 
See, he says, lest any root of bitterness spring up, springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Unfortunately, it troubles you and it does affect others. It does affect your spouse. It does affect your children. It does affect your church family. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. It's the last place we'll look at tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 31. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. So what do we do? Ephesians 4.31. Notice what the Bible says. Ephesians 4.31. It's the last one for tonight. Ephesians 4.31. Let all bitterness. But what if my bitterness is justified? That one too. Joseph would say that one too. In fact, especially that one. Because sometimes when we, when we you know, reap what we sow when we, because we messed up because we did something stupid, you know, it's easy to get over those. But when you're, gen- you know, the one time you're genuinely innocent, you know, the one time you actually didn't do anything wrong, and somebody wronged you, I mean, that's the one I'm going to keep. That's the one I'm going to dwell on. You know, every other time I messed up, and every other time I did something wrong, every time I hurt somebody, you know, well, those were just a mistake. But the one time that I was right, that's the one I'm never going to let go. Look, let all, let all bitterness... And while you're at it, wrath and anger and clamor and evil speakings be put away from you with all malice. Say, Pastor Jimenez, how do I I keep from experiencing bitterness? You You can't. You go live in a cave somewhere and never talk to anybody. That's the only way you can keep from experiencing bitterness. But you can, but you can keep yourself from becoming bitter. By not allowing the root of bitterness to take hold on your life. You say, how do I do that? Stay productive. How do I do that? Stay personable. How do I do that? Maintain a providential confidence in God. And realize that whatever I'm going through, God knows about it. He's got a purpose and he's got a plan. And God knows where I am. Let's bow our heads and I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for these examples in Scripture that we can look at. Father, I look forward one day to meeting Joseph. Just asking him about the things he went through. I'm sure he's very humble. Lord, help us to just learn from Joseph. Just a, just a kid. Who had so many things happen to him, and yet he maintained a good attitude towards God and towards men. And Father, I pray you'd help our church people. Lord, there's going to be things. We're going to offend each other. I'm going to offend them. They're going to offend me. We're going to offend each other. Lord, help us not to dwell. There's things that are going to happen in our lives. They're going to, it's going to hurt. Help us not to dwell on those. Help us to learn from Joseph, to keep him as an example, as an example before us. If he can maintain a right attitude, and we can too. We love you, Lord. In your precious name I pray.